Hey, I'm Sandy, and I'm a quilter, and I'm betting you are too. So why don't you get a cup of coffee, or whatever, and get comfortable while we talk about quilting for the rest of us. Hi, and welcome to episode 79, in which we paper piece, and I'm recording this on Friday, February 17th, um, and it's about... Oh, around 2.30, and I can't take very long to do this because actually I should be doing other things right now, but I decided I really wanted to get this out primarily to give as much time as possible to announcing the Meet at the Waterfall. Now, I know we've already talked about this, but I want to make sure everybody knows. Um, those of you who are planning on going to the uh, Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival in Hampton, Virginia next week, even if you weren't planning to go, but you live nearby and maybe can make it up there on Saturday, we are going to have a big old meetup of, I think we're up to five podcasters. Um, that's me and Francis of Off Kilter Quilt and Pam of Hip to Be a Square and AJ of The Quilting Pot and Tanisha of Crafty Garden Mom. And many of our listeners have already said they're going to be there. We're going to be meeting at the Hampton, um, at, in Hampton at the Mid-Atlantic Quilt Festival on Saturday, February 25th. Um, starting at about 1130 a.m. is when we'll first start gathering, but I know some people might be in morning, uh, classes, so we'll hang out there until shortly afternoon. Um, and we're going to meet at the Waterfall on the first floor of the Convention Center. It's down towards the end where the entrance to the hotel is. And um, from there, depending on how many of us there are, um, we have three options of places we can go um, that we've either designated or made arrangements for. So. We will all be gathering in one place and then uh, proceeding from there either right next to the waterfall <laughs> or somewhere nearby. Um, so I hope you can meet us there. I'm very, very excited. I'm excited about meeting the other podcasters that I feel like I know so well but haven't actually gotten to meet face-to-face -face yet. And I'm also excited to meet the listeners. So I hope you can join us. We're really looking forward to it. Um, a quick Sandy update. I am officially now at the end of week one of sabbatical. I actually, you know, the sabbatical is 12 weeks. I know that includes weekends, but for me, you know, I think of it in terms of the work week. These are 12 work weeks that I'm not doing my normal job. I'm doing other things. Um, so I tend to think of Monday as the first day of the week and Friday as the, <laughs> the last day of the week. So here I am ending my first week. And frankly, it started out with a bang. Shortly after posting last Sunday's podcast episode, I came down with a stomach virus, and that took me out of commission until really Tuesday morning. I mean, the worst of the symptoms were over by Monday afternoon or evening, but you know how it takes your body a while to recuperate from something like that. Um, so Tuesday, I was still pretty r strung out and um, was, you know, eating a little bit here and there, but mostly on the couch and catching up on reading. Monday, I hadn't even really been able to read. Um, spent quite a bit of the day in bed because I hadn't been in bed the night before and uh, was watching some TV and that kind of thing. But Tuesday, I was finally able to had some focus back. And so I got a lot of the reading done that I really wanted to get done as part of my sabbatical. I'm reading history of textiles. I'm reading quilt design. I'm reading on creativity, um, that kind of thing. So I, I was able to do some of that on Tuesday. I did get a little sewing time in on Tuesday, but not much. Um, but I'll be talking about that more later. Wednesday, I ended up being really busy because uh, kind of a lot of things happening all at once. 
Um, my hometown of Rochester, New York, is home to the Susan B. Anthony House, where Susan B. Anthony uh, lived for, I think, something like 40 years. And her birthday is February 15th, and so there was a big fundraising luncheon on Wednesday, and um, we had been, my husband and I did go to that fundraising luncheon, and um, <laughs> it was I was entertained and gratified by how many people I ran into there that I actually know. And... Um, so it was a really wonderful time. They had uh, just a, a very good program. It was an excellent um, event. I do have to admit, though, for as proud of I, as I am of our region's history and of the fact that Susan B. Anthony and um, Frederick Douglass were both right here in Rochester, um, I've never actually been to the Susan B. Anthony house, and, and I've been very remiss in that. So that has now gone on my list of things I'm going to be doing during sabbatical. And in fact, a woman from our church is one of the docents there, one of the tour guides. And so she and I made arrangements, um, tentative arrangements at this point with no date that I'm going to be bringing some of the women from the uh, refugee communities that I serve. These are women who have left countries where they have no voice, no vote. And it'll be wonderful to be able to bring them to the Susan B. Anthony House to share in part of our history with women obtaining a voice and a vote as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, Interestingly short, you know, I left the Susan B. Anthony uh, fundraiser to go almost directly. I ran some errands, but then my next meeting was with the first meeting of um, the women's group that a friend of mine and I are beginning with women from Burma. And so that was, you know, and that's one of those places where they have had no vote. So really, it felt like, you know, here's kind of worlds coming together. So that was really cool. Um, so we did have our first meeting. And one of the first things that uh, one of the women there asked to learn, because we started out saying, okay, well, you know, you've said you want to learn stuff, let us know what you want to learn. And we can set that up. And one of the very first things that came out was sewing. So we're going to be working on that. We're also going to be doing a lot of cooking and some other kinds of things. So that'll be a lot of fun once that gets rolling. Um and then that night, I had a belated uh, Valentine's dinner with my husband. We had originally intended to go out on Tuesday night, but weren't able to get reservations at the restaurant that we really wanted to go to, because, of course, we always leave these things until far too late. So we ended up moving it to Wednesday instead, um, which meant I could have gone to my guild on Tuesday night because their meeting was Tuesday night. But since I was still just getting over that stomach virus and I, I checked the Internet and it said that I really still could be contagious. And we have some women in our guild that are struggling with some health issues that I thought I do not need to be bringing my germy butt there. <laughs> just, you know, kind of exuding all this contagion through the room. So I stayed home. I was very sorry to do that, but I decided that was probably the uh, more compassionate thing to do at that point. Um, but actually staying home from guild meant I did get some sewing done because that's when I started feeling perky enough to actually get to my sewing machine was that evening. Um Anyway, back to my schedule. Then Thursday, uh, I spent most of the, well, several hours of the day as my first day of volunteering at the Somali Community Center. And that's where I've mentioned before I'm teaching um, English to a group of senior, mostly seniors, although there were some um, younger women there as well uh, that looked to be maybe 30s, 40s-ish. A little hard to tell, but obviously, you know, kids are going to be in school. So this was mothers and seniors. And there were probably about 20 people there, I think. Um, they said they can, they average around 25, but it was pouring, pouring rain. And so I think some of the folks that may normally kind of walk themselves there just stayed home. Um, but it was so much fun. It was just a hoot. I mean, I am not a trained literacy volunteer. My approach is I go in, I ask them what they want to learn, and I do my best to teach it. That's kind of how I approach it. And um, 
they you know they were working on basic vocabulary there this group of 20 to 25 people represents a real span of folks who um weren't even literate in their own language in other words they didn't know how to read and write in their own language because most of these languages are primarily oral languages anyway um so there are some people that are still just working on writing the alphabet two people who there wasn't anybody in the class specifically that was fluent. There were a couple of women that were helping as sort of interpreters. So um, they weren't necessarily students. They were helping out as volunteers. Uh, but there were folks that have enough English that they could understand what I was saying. They just weren't confident in speaking it back to me. Um, so we just, we had a grand old time trying to figure out how this was all going to work since it was the first week. Now, uh, now that I've been there once, I have a better plan of attack for next week. Um, next week, I'm actually going on Monday because I will be leaving Wednesday uh, for the quilt conference. So I can't go on my normal Thursday. So I'm going to go on Monday instead. And I now have a couple of bags of supplies from Office Max of folders and papers and um, plans to make handouts and all that kind of thing. So that's going to be fun. But I, I can't tell you how much fun it is to teach people who are so anxious to learn. Uh, they're just soaking it up. And once they get comfortable with me and I'm more comfortable with them, you know, and we're going to be able to do more question and answer kind of thing, more give and take. But it was just a lot of fun. We did a lot of laughing together. Um, I explained to them that I don't actually know as much about Somalia as I really should. And so I said to them, I'm learning from you, too. So I want you to teach me some things while we're here. So at the end of the session where I had kind of run out of what I was what I could teach that day with no preparation, I turned it around and asked them, you know, can you teach me how to say hello? Can you teach me how to say goodbye? And so I wrote it all down and they were um, really excited every time I tried to say hello and goodbye. Unfortunately, uh, their language is fairly easy to pronounce. I've I've worked with other languages that I can't even really hear what the sounds are because they are so very different from our language. Um, but so far in what I've learned from theirs, it wasn't as, as difficult as that. So I was able to come pretty close on my first try, but that was just so much fun. I really enjoyed that. And then um, I stayed and, and had lunch with them because they're part of a whole senior program community, a community center right in the neighborhood. Um, so I sat and had lunch with them and then uh, worked out with a couple of the women uh, who will be starting to teach me embroidery next week. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, getting to get that rolling as well. Um, from there, again, I ran a couple of errands. You know, it's one of these things where when I was getting ready for sabbatical, I just kept putting off all the errand running I had to do. And I kept saying, well, I'll have time to do that next week. I'll have time. So now I'm backlogged on all these errands I had to run. So Thursday, when I was done at the Somali Center, I then ran errands for a while and then went over to another community center, which is set up specifically for uh, refugees living in another neighborhood of our city. And uh, over there, um, I know a lot of the volunteers over there as well, and in fact was one of the folks that kind of helped get it set up, when it, not really directly, but um, very instrumental in support um, services when they got that sent up. So I've got a lot of connections to that community center as well. And uh, got over there to help um, to help tutor a young man there who is struggling in high school, and we're really hoping we can keep him in high school. I don't know how much good I'll be able to do, but hopefully at least... Hopefully at least through the mentoring process, I'll be able to be at least of some use. Um, I need to your forgiveness. I was for some reason suddenly developing this real cough. I'm trying to pause every time I start to cough, but you're going to hear it in my voice a little bit, I think. 
so anyway, today was really the first day today, Friday, that I felt like it was kind of a, a normal, healthy sabbatical day, like I'd kind of envisioned I would have. Um, and unfortunately, this afternoon, I'm heading out, well, not unfortunately, but this afternoon, my husband and I are driving for three hours to go um, meet up with my daughter, uh, sort of in a halfway point, not quite halfway, closer to her than us, uh, to f celebrate her birthday this weekend. Her birthday is actually next week, um, but since I'm going to be at the quilt conference, we arranged for that we're going to be up there this weekend, and we're going to um, a city closer to her, um, and she's going to meet us there, and we're staying in a hotel for the weekend, and go to some museums and stuff tomorrow, and bring her her presents, and all that kind of stuff. So, I've, that's why this can't be too long a podcast because I've got to, uh, finish cleaning the kitchen and then, um, get packed and get her gifts wrapped and head out of the house. But I've got time to do that. It won't take me that long. Um, our kitchen feels a little messy, but it won't take me that long. My nephew is coming over to dog sit the dogs this weekend. And that's part of the reason I decided to make my beef barley soup last night because that would give leftovers I could leave for him. And he loves that too. So, um, the beef barley soup reference is because that was the recipe posted on my blog today for those of you who haven't read that yet. Sorry. Um, so that's my first week. It, it ended up being busier than I expected. Um, although that was mostly because I was knocked out of commission for a day and a half or so. Um, if I had had Monday and Tuesday as kind of regular days, it would have felt much more like I had planned for it to feel. But in any case, it's been a really good week. Um, I have gotten some reading done. I've also been watching some videos, and you'll see some um, commentary about that in Monday's blog post that I've already prepared. Since I'm going to be gone this weekend, I decided to get some stuff written ahead of time. But you'll see what I've been watching on video as part of my sabbatical study as well, and that's been really, really interesting um, and very beneficial, I hope. All right, so let's get on to my paper piecing adventures. Now, I've done some paper piecing before. I haven't done extensive paper piecing, and I've never done a Mariner's Compass before. And I know that they're a little bit trickier, but I felt like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to take this on. Um, so what I decided, I, I've mentioned this, that our quilt guild is doing what we refer to as a roosting robin. It's also now starting to be called the medallion challenge, which is probably an, an easier way to refer to it where we um, each are doing our own project, but then we're told every month what to add onto it. So we're not passing it around. We're just keeping it ourselves. And for the first month, it was to start out with a 12 and a half inch square for the center. And then um, the next month was four and a half inch borders. And then I just got word that this month um, they announced on Tuesday is two inch borders. The four and a half inch borders have to be um, somehow pieced or appliqued. They can't just be plain borders. And then this month can be plain borders. And I think by the time I get there, I'm going to need a plain border. Uh, so as I was kind of conceiving in my head what I wanted to do for this, I decided I really wanted to use my Stonehenge fabrics. And I've been collecting Stonehenge fabrics for oh, at least a year, maybe a little bit longer. I absolutely love the Stonehenge line. And when I first started buying them, I was picturing them as landscape quilts. But the more I started seeing designs in magazines and such using Stonehenge just in traditional pieced um, blocks, I realized there's a whole lot more possibility there than just using them in landscape quilts. So I decided I really wanted to use the Stonehenge for this medallion challenge. And that made me start thinking, okay, what would be the best way to show off the Stonehenge? And I decided it would be fun to do something that would end up kind of looking like inlaid marbles. So that's what led me to deciding to doing a Mariner's Compass type thing for the center block. Um, 
so I went to my bookshelf and I found, um, I kind of remembered having this book that I had inherited from my mom's quilt library when mom passed away. And it's Brenda Henning's Mariner's Compass Quilts Reach for the Stars, which is uh, published by Bear Paw Productions 2007. And um, I had not used this book before. I've looked through it, but had not done it. And it's it's really, it's a nicely put together book. Um she does instruction in the front about basic paper piecing um, instruction, but then a little bit specific to doing this style. And I'm feeling like I probably should have read that more closely <laughs> before I started out. Um, I do also have Carol Doak's, uh, Carol Doak teaches you to paper piece DVD. Um, and I've got several of Carol Doak's books and I've got a couple of other paper piecing books as well. So I pulled the Carol Doak video um, off my shelf went for this Mariner's Compass thing and just kind of refreshed my memory about paper piecing in general. Um, with Brenda Henning's book, she has um, the instructions in the front and then she has compass designs divided by difficulty, starting with simpler, progressing to more advanced. And then she has a section in the back that are smaller sized uh, compasses. I don't know, I didn't sit down to do a full book review on this, so I don't have the information completely uh, set in front of me. Um, I think all of her her Mariner's Compass blocks are like 16 inches or so, and then she's got smaller ones in the back. And um, then the book does have full quilt patterns that you can use as well. I don't remember how many, but there's a, a few in there. So what I decided I wanted to do, we had to do, it was a 12-inch finish, 12 and a half unfinished center block, and so I went to one of those smaller compass blocks in the back and did the math and um, blew it up on my, I exploded it, on my uh, home printer. I think I had to expand it 150%, I don't remember now, but I did it right at the time. Um, it did, it, some of them copied oddly, and so I had to kind of redraw some lines with uh, Sharpie, but it, it seemed to be, you know, it worked pretty well. Um, and so on Tuesday, when I first sat down to do this, I'd done all the, the foundation. I'd made all those copies and everything last week when I had some time here and there, but I hadn't cut any of the fabrics or anything. So um, Tuesday, I went through, I measured all the pieces that I needed, and I took, this is where I kind of switched over to Carol Doak's method, and I made myself a cutting chart of what size pieces I was going to need. Now here's the thing, unit A, each, this medallion is um, divided into unit A and unit B. And each of the points of the compass requires one unit A and one unit B, of course. The the pieces then in unit A and unit B are exactly the same size. But when you sew your unit A's, you're piecing them top to bottom. So you start out with the largest piece that's at the top is number one. Then you piece number two is the next one down, then number three, and then number four is the, the smallest one that's in the very center of the medallion. Unit B, you... Uh, piece them in the reverse. So you start with that smallest piece that's going to be the center of the medallion is piece number one, and then you progress up to the largest piece at the top. So as I'm figuring this out and doing the cutting chart, I'm looking at it saying, okay, well, the pieces are exactly the same size. I'll just cut eight pieces, all the same size, you know, of the colors I need for each of these units. Well, unit A, swimmingly, went through them, no problems. Um, the only, I had to resew one, I think, because I inadvertently flipped um, the Stonehenge fabric and sewed it on upside down, um, which you couldn't really see it because it's a kind of a light aqua color. You 
can't necessarily see it when it's up, but when you see it compared to everything else, it's really glaringly obvious that it's upside down. It's not quite like a batik where you can sort of give get away with it sometimes being upside down because some of them are kind of close. These, there is clearly a right and a wrong side. It's just sometimes it's harder to see right off the bat. So I did have to resell one, but it wasn't a big deal. For the most part, those unit A's went very, very well. And so I was like, oh, great, you know, I'm, I'm full speed ahead. This will be fun. Well, the unit B... I then, I don't remember now if I started that night or maybe I started in the next morning when I had just a little bit of time. I thought, well, I should be able to get through these now that I've done it once. Well, I sewed the unit B, sewed the first piece on, and then went to sew the second piece on and realized, huh, it's not fitting. So I had to go back and re-pulled them out and I moved the piece a little bit and realized it's not fitting again. And, and as this progressed, by the time I was, by the time I got to today, I had re-sewn some of those stinking unit bees at least three times. And what I realized is just by sewing it in the reverse direction, even though all the angles are the same, they're not working out to be the, the same size fabric. You really needed wider fabric to cover some of those folds. Um, those of you who have done paper piecing probably can picture what I'm talking about. Those of you who have never done paper piecing, I lost you probably 15 minutes ago. <laughs> so I really, I really apologize. Um, but when you paper piece, you have to know that when you sew your seam and then press that, you know, piece back over, it's got to cover the part of the design it's supposed to cover. And some of that has to do with the actual ge geometry of the piece itself, which as we all know, I hate math. I hate geometry even more than I hate all the other kinds of math. And a lot of that does have to do, again, with my stinking geometry teacher. Because when I took geometry in 10th grade, our geometry teacher was the football coach. And trust me, he was hired as the football coach and was only teaching math to justify him being on staff at the school. The guy stunk as a math teacher, absolutely stunk. He would just sit in the front of class and say, okay, do page 10. And that was it. There was no teaching to be had. And in fact, when we had, um, when I was in class, we had an eighth grader who was in our class because he had skipped a couple of grades math-wise. He actually taught our class. I have more memories of him standing up at that chalkboard than I do of our teacher. That, that was just, and so, I mean, I'm, the fact that I even passed geometry is kind of an amazing thing. I did not pass it by much. And to this day, I just hate figuring it out. So anyway, back to my paper piecing story. Um, I ended up having to recut, I think, well, I ended up having to recut the first page, first pieces in several instances, just because by the time I had ripped out um, seams and re-sewn them, they, they were just starting to shred. So I had to recut those. I had to recut two other pieces, I mean, all eight of the two other pieces, um, to make them bigger. Uh, the only piece I never had to recut, I guess, was the final one that was the that top piece. So it, it was a very frustrating experience. Um, that was one place where I did kind of wish I was just following a pattern where somebody had already figured all that out for me because it took, you know, it just took a while to sink in that these were really going to have to be different pieces. You don't think they would have to be. And I kept messing with it. <laughs> I kept trying to figure out any way I could make this so that the same size piece would fit and it just wasn't going to do it. So anyway, that was my adventure. I'm sure some of you are listening to saying either, of course, oh no, you really could have made it work. You know, it, again, this is just me trying to muddle through my math phobia to get me to a point where I've got a finished product that I can live with. Now, 
I do finally have all the unit Bs done. I had hoped to have it, that centerpiece actually done by the end of the week, but I ran out of time. So um, it is, it's now done. Now I have to put all those pieces together, which is going to be another headache and a half. I know that. Um, I knew that going into it, that that would be the hardest part. And unfortunately, I do have some pieces that are just a little bit shy of where I'd like them to be to comfortably still give me a quarter inch seam to get these these pieces together, but I think I can fudge it. I think it'll work. And the colors are just so astonishing that you'd have to be standing up pretty close to this thing to really even see that maybe the points won't be dead on matching. But even at that, they should be pretty close. And, you know, obviously I'm going to pin the bejeebers out of them too. <laughs> to get them to match as best I can. And then this thing's never going in a show anyway. I'm just doing this for my own entertainment and, frankly, learning. You know, I, I chose to do something that I hadn't done before specifically to give me the opportunity to experience. That being said, love the Stonehenge fabrics, love the colors and the way they're coming together. Really enjoyed doing that. So that's my paper piecing thing. When when you're doing it, don't always assume that everything should work the way you think it's going to work, because <laughs> it's not necessarily going to. Um, that being said, still love paper piecing. I mean, this has been an adventure, and I was gritting my teeth, and I had to walk away from it several times, but I still am really enjoying it. So that's the sewing I've gotten done this week. Um, the, the next, once I get the center together, I then just applique it to the background square, um, which, you know, again, that'll probably be another adventure in itself, but at this point, um, I'm planning on doing machine applique. I mean, I'm pretty much doing this all by machine. Then my, my first border, the four and a half inch border, I was originally planning on doing an applique border, but I'm not sure. You know, at this point, I've had so many headaches over the stinking center square that I may go a little bit easier on myself. I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do with that. That's for another week. But like I said, then I'll be really glad to get to that two inch border after that, where it can just be a plain border. Okay, that's my paper piecing adventure. Uh, I want to introduce a contest. I joked about this on Sunday, but the more I got thinking about it, I decided I'm just going to go for it. I am going to run a contest um, for the next two weeks. I want you to write me a script for my introduction to this podcast. If you've been listening to my podcast for any length of time, you know what I'm about. You know what I'm trying to do. Um, you know, you can go back and listen to my old introduction for me saying this is what I'm trying to do. I just want to say that a lot shorter. And um, I have had comments that um, at this point, maybe what my original introduction was is not really appropriate anymore because my own quilt making has changed in the last couple of years. I am coming up on my two-year podcast anniversary in March 28th, so it seems like it would be fitting in March to launch a new introduction script. So I'm going to give you two weeks. If you would like to write my introductory script, how I'm going to introduce this podcast, or even just give me a tagline, whatever you are inspired to do, send it to me by Friday, March 2nd. And then I will choose one that I really like. If there's none that I like, I'll just choose a random one and I'll come up with one of my own. But I am feeling really uninspired <laughs> at this point. So I will choose which one I think I would like to use and that person will win something or, like I said, a random drawing. Or I may still do a random drawing on top of it anyway. I don't care. I've got stuff in my quilt um, studio here that I would not mind sending to another home um, or... I will be at a quilt show next week, and there will be vendors there, and I'm sure I will be picking up little gifties for the future. So in any case, here is my contest. It is Introduce Sandy's Podcast Contest. 
I see, I can't even come up with a better title for the contest. <laughs> so introduce my podcast. Tell me what you would like me to say to start out my podcast. You've got two weeks. Send me your suggestion by Friday, March 2nd, and I will draw, I will choose a winner and or draw randomly or both. Haven't decided that. Okay, I've got a few uh, listener comments to respond to as well. Sally had emailed, um, and I had mentioned something when we were talking about the pattern storage in that episode. She had talked about having stuff on her Kindle Fire, and I wanted to know a little bit more about that. So here's her response. She said, I mostly, she has both a Kindle Fire and the older ink, the e-ink one. She says, I tend to mostly keep my patterns on the fire. With the touch screen, it's just much easier to navigate. I have Acrobat on there, and that's easier to store and navigate PDFs on it. And she doesn't have to look at them in the table of contents. She uses cloud storage. She uses Dropbox.com, which I also use on my iPad. She uses cloud storage to store the patterns so she can access her patterns on any of her computers, smartphone, and Kindle. And it also protects my patterns should one of my devices crashes, so I won't lose all of them. Um, I do keep a couple of patterns on my e-ink Kindle, but I try to limit that to current working projects so I don't have to look at them in the table of contents. That way I can access my pattern when my daughter wants to do something with my Kindle Fire. Uh, so, th Sally, thank you so much for clearing that up. Um, I do also use Dropbox, and I hadn't really thought about using that for pattern storage, so that's a really good idea. So thank you, Sally, for that input. Um Thank you to Connie for commenting. I also got an email from um, Christine, and I really appreciated her kind words, and I'm looking forward to, she mentioned that she's working on a square and a square and panel quilt for her dad, and I'm really looking forward to seeing pictures of that. Um, I also appreciate hearing from um, Crowfan. 0517. And uh, she was responding to my slow quilt Monday in which I talked about cutting scraps. And um, she has a basket full of scraps, makes a point of spending 10 minutes a day, no more, no less, cutting them into useful sizes. And, and Crowfan, that's a really good idea. I should probably get into that habit. Uh, Jay also said, I find cutting up fabric like you describe above a good way to start my mind swirling around new ideas, especially when I'm in a rut. Um, and the Zen part for me is that I feel like I'm fooling myself into working with fabric. <laughs> and she does talk about then her guild has a charity project with two and a half inch print and white squares. And she included a link to it, which I remembered seeing on her blog. Um, and she included a link in her comment to that blog. So you might want to go to my Slow Quilt Monday um, post called Scrap Zen. It was last week, Monday. I'm sorry, it was this week, this past week, Monday, just five days ago. And check out Jay's link as well, because that's a cute pattern for using up scraps. Uh, School Quilt also um, commented and uh, <laughs> told me not to feel guilty about having a sabbatical. Thank you so much. And um, she, oh, she also says that she has a nook to which she added an Android chip, so she's enjoying it as a tablet. So School Quilt, make sure you let us know what quilting apps you find that are in the droid world. Um, Brenda has um, also enjoys cutting scraps, and she has taken scrap organizing workshops called Scrap Therapy. Um, and so she often, she says, a lot of people see the zen in scraps. Holly Yu, of course, was the one who had inspired me to cut scraps on that particular day, and she also commented that she was glad she had inspired me. Um, and uh, Paula posted about Meet Me at the Waterfall. Thank you, Paula. She has been very helpful in helping us figure out how to do that. So, Paula, I'm looking forward to meeting you, too. Um, Beth is going to be making beef barley soup soon. Good. Want to hear about it. Um, Jen 
and Quilter Caroline and Tammy Knox all also uh, commented on recent episodes or blog posts. Appreciate that as well. So thank you everybody for commenting. Thank you for anybody who has left comments on um, or iTunes reviews. Always appreciate those as well. Like I said, not likely to uh, podcast next week uh, while I'm actually doing quilt related stuff. So um, we'll look forward to get all your, getting all your comments and hearing from you during the week. And then I will podcast when I get back. And Jay and I are also trying very hard to put together another recording session. We've just had a heck of a time. We were supposed to record last Monday when I got sick. Go figure. So anyway, we'll have those coming up as well. So that's it for this week's podcast. Um, I am not positive I will pull one out next week because I'll be on the road. I will be recording future episodes while I'm on the road. I'm really excited about it. Um, There's been a lot of chatter about the meetup, so I'm looking forward to everybody that can be there with us. And if you can't, tweet us. We will be Twittering from the floor as well. Um, Again, I leave Wednesday with my BFF BQF Kate. We have a 10-hour road trip. (laughs) to get down there. So we're leaving really early on Wednesday so that we can be down there fairly early because we missed pre-registration. We're so bad. We're so busy, both of us. Um, So we're going to get down there on Wednesday and hopefully be able to go in and and register or first thing Saturday, uh, (laughs) Saturday morning. That's a little late. Thursday morning. I have been told that the class that I really wanted to get into is still open. So I think I'll have a good shot at getting into that. And then the rest of it is just lectures anyway, so those usually don't close. They usually have plenty of room in those. Um, I'm just really, really looking forward to it. It's been, you know, a little over a year now since I went to a quilt show, and I just enjoy quilt shows. I learned so much, so I'm looking forward to the event. I'm looking forward to meeting everybody. Remember, meet at the waterfall. Looking forward to seeing you there. Send your uh, suggestions in for the contest by Friday, March 2nd, and other than that, you know how to get in touch with me. You can email me at Sandy Quilts, Sandy with a Y, Quilts with a Z at gmail.com. You can follow my blog, Pitter, Pitter, <laughs> I'm sorry, Twitter, Pinterest, uh, Goodreads. Uh, you can like us on Facebook. You can join the Quilting for the Rest of Us Flickr group. You can join the Big Tent Quiltcast Supergroup and then the Quilting for the Rest of Us subgroup. Um, you can sign up for the newsletter and you can join the T- Kiva team and you will find links for all of that and more at www.quiltingfortherestofus.com. By the way, don't forget about the What Would a Quilter Do tab on that site. Would love to get more of those. Um, Until next time, go get your quilty on. Quilting for the Rest of Us is dedicated to Shirley. Love you, Mom. Thank you.